Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us for a very full edition of the CIAC cast. Once again, I am Joel Cookson. We thank you for being with us. We have three great guests this week that I'm excited to talk to and hope for some really interesting conversations with them coming up. And it's a certainly a very busy time of year, so a lot to get to. We will have Dave Rudin of the Stanford Advocate to talk about a recent memorable feature story that he wrote, as well as some baseball and softball tournament talk. Dan Nowak of the New Haven Register is going to go in-depth with us with Boys and Girls Lacrosse Tournament discussion. And Timothy Gaffney from LitchfieldCountySports.com will also be hopping on the podcast to discuss some of the big sports stories in his area. So obviously the seasons in the postseason tournaments in full swing here on this Wednesday when we're recording this and a lot of things going on. So we'll very excited about our conversations this week. The tournaments are moving, so let's get right into it with things you might have missed. And as I said, really all the news on CIACsports.com right now is about the CIAC championships. And as I've done consistently, encourage fans to bookmark the Tournament Central page on CIACsports.com, which has all the info that fans, parents, coaches, teams will need. One thing I haven't mentioned before, when you go to that Tournament Central page, be sure to also look for the tabs at the top of the Tournament Central page. You'll see there they've got Schedules Postponements tab, which is updated throughout the day. There's a Latest Updates tabs, which if you follow that, you can sign up for email and text results alerts on schedules and all sorts of good things. Also have tournament rosters there. So all sorts of good stuff at the top of the page, as well as all the brackets, results, and all that good stuff as well. So really, your one-stop shop for CIC tournament competition and information is the Tournament Central page. Also, all of this information can be accessed on our mobile site, CIACmobile.com, on your mobile device. You can find it while you are at the games as well, as including rosters of the two teams taking part in the game. Just encourage you to please not check it while you are driving. And new on CICSports.com homepage, there was a discory, excuse me, a story discussing three all-time track and field performers who will be concluding their careers in the next week, their Connecticut careers at least, but also discussing some of the folks who might have been overshadowed by those great performers over the past few years. So hope you will enjoy, check out and enjoy that story. And as always, you can keep an eye on the CIAC network schedule on the right side of the page. You can access upcoming and on-demand contests to see which events and competitions will be carried live, carried uh, on demand on the CIAC network. We've had the uh, the class track and field championships have been covered over the past two days and encourage folks to keep an eye out on that. I believe we'll be having at least a handful of the semifinals and hopefully all of the championship games once we get to that point will be on the CIAC network. So good stuff there as well. You can keep track of that all on the right side of CIACsports.com or at CIAC.tv. So that is things you might have missed, and there is certainly a lot happening this time of year, kind of getting down to crunch time now with tournament results and schedules. Hope you're all using CIACsports.com and the Tournament Central page as a resource. But our first guest is actually not going to be talking about the postseason, or at least not at the beginning, I don't think. But he also wrote a story recently that, uh, in fact, I'm actually a bit conflicted in sharing with our podcast fans here for reasons that he will explain, but is really too heartwarming a story to not put out for our podcast audience. So we got in touch with Dave Rudin to let him talk about this recent story. 
Very happy now to be chatting with Dave Rudin of the Stanford Advocate and the very excellent Overtime blog, which we hope you all check out on a, a regular basis. Dave, thanks for, for joining us. A very busy time of year for you folks, as it is for us here in the CIC office. So thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me, Joel. Always a pleasure. Well, we wanted to uh, reach out with you today for a couple things. One, we'll get into uh, some FCAC tournament stuff a little bit later here in our chat. But the main thing I wanted to write about, uh, talk about, you wrote a, a really great piece over the weekend um, about a Trumbull baseball player named Casey Mack. And uh, it's the sort of story that we feature in our linked up uh, posts every week on the CIAC website, which we hope folks are checking out. But this is just such an interesting story. I wanted to uh, to get on the phone with Dave and uh, and talk to him a little bit about it. So, Dave, why don't you just uh, kind of dive into it here? What, who is is Casey Mack, and uh, and what exactly were you uh, prompted you to write about him over the weekend? Uh, Casey Mack is a third baseman for the Trumbull baseball team in in my view, uh, a true role model and somebody that uh, we all should emulate. Uh, really what happened is I, I was actually pulling into a place to have breakfast last week, and I got a call from the West Hill baseball coach uh, telling me I've got to do a story on Casey Mack and told me a little bit about it. And basically what happened is during the course of the season, when Trumbull played the three FCAC Bridgeport schools, Bridgeport Central, Warren Harding, and Basic. After each game, Casey sought out the coach of each team privately, his teammates didn't know, his coach didn't know, uh, told each coach how much he admired the way their teams played, and presented the, each coach with two brand-new bats. And uh, from what I'm told, the bats cost probably somewhere over $200 apiece. Wow. Uh, this might not have come to light, except the central coach was so touched by this that he called Phil Pacelli the Trumbull baseball coach, and Trumbull coach had absolutely no idea what Casey had done. And then uh, I still never found out about the story. Phil wasn't going around telling people publicly, at least, but I guess at the FCX baseball coaches meeting where they vote for the all-league teams, the central coach, Eli Greiston, announced his retirement and basically wanted to start a sportsmanship award and told the whole story about what Casey did. And that sort of was the first domino to the story being coming to light. Uh, Casey was very, very reluctant about me doing a story. He wanted this. He, he did this anonymously. He was very, very reticent because he didn't want people to feel he was doing this for publicity or attention, and basically uh, through a couple of intermediaries and, and a little bit myself tried to convince him that by exposing what he did, maybe it would lead to other people doing positive such acts. Yeah, we certainly uh, and certainly hope that uh, Casey understands us wanting to uh, to publicize it a little bit more, and obviously almost respect him even more for uh, you know for wanting to keep this quiet to some degree. And that that's you know in reading your story, I think that maybe was the most striking thing. You know, obviously we see schools and we see teams um, you know raising money for for fundraisers and things like that, and and certainly those are always worthwhile and and not anything that should be diminished, but to see a, a student sort of do this on his own. Did you get any sense, Dave, for what sort of prompted him to, you know, to, to do this? Where did the idea come from? 
he just he told me basically playing for three years against these kids. Uh, he just had the utmost respect about how they went out there. Everybody knows that, unfortunately, the Bridgeport schools right now are financially strapped and don't have the same equipment and don't have the same uh, facilities as the other schools that they're playing against. Yeah. And he just had the utmost respect, and uh, I guess this was his way. And he basically used birthday money, Christmas money, uh, working part-time jobs, uh, he just felt this was the one way he could at least try to do something to get back a little bit. And really the quote that resonated with me the most was when he said, I'd be proud to play on, on any one of those teams. Yeah, that's certainly, uh, certainly impressive. And, and what was, uh, I know you, you spoke with uh, the Trumbull coach as well. What was his sort of reaction, as you said, when he sort of started finding out about this that, you know, was going on without his knowledge? What was his response to you? Uh, it's funny because he told me he was grilling chicken uh, and the, he got the phone call and, and Eli said to him, I want to talk to you about one of your kids. And Phil's first reaction was, oh, no, what do what my kids do? <laughs> and then he found out that it was Casey and he had a sigh of relief. And then he found out what Casey had done and he just said it was one of the one of the proudest moments that he's ever had as a coach. And uh, I got to tell you, the feedback that I've gotten on the story from so many different people all over the place has been incredible. And I say that not to, to, to praise myself at all, because all I did was get very lucky to find out about the story and be able to bring it to the public. This story wrote itself. So uh, I just feel very fortunate that I was able to find out about it. And more importantly, I'm, I'm just really happy that uh, what Casey did could become known publicly because you all, as you know, all too often you hear too much about what kids do in a negative sense, and when they do something extraordinary, uh, it should be noted as well, if not more so. And in this case, uh, extra, 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 extraordinary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's you know, I always, uh, I always like to say the the good stories you don't hear about outweigh the you know the bad ones that you do by about a magnitude of of 10 at least hopefully and uh so it's nice that one you know a student has gone so far above and beyond uh with just you know a a pretty simple action you know obviously it's it's not a you know a massive fundraiser or anything like that for for one student to do that is pretty remarkable you did you mentioned the you know the feedback what have you sort of been hearing who have you been hearing from has it been you know coaches has it been fans and and what has sort of the reaction been to the story Oh, it, it, it's it's been all over the place. It's uh, it, it's been a lot from general public, from people in Trumbull, from other coaches, uh, from intra office. It's it's been all over the place. I can't tell you how many people uh, have written to me about it, and, and basically just saying, uh, you know, this is just an incredible story. Uh, you know, a lot of these for Casey. Uh, I, I think people just uh, the story just really resonated with a lot of people from a human human interest standpoint, and, and just so much admiration for him. And, and it's hard not to respect somebody who, in the means that he had, uh, went out and just did something really, really nice to help others. But uh, you, you can even you have one area where you could tell also is just on Twitter when you put the link out to the stories and you see how often it gets retweeted. And uh, this is something that uh, one of the stories that probably has been retweeted the most. And uh, again, it's it's all about Casey, all yeah. about Casey. 
Yeah, that's certainly great. And uh, as we said, the the sort of stories we're always looking to to share. And as we hope that uh, Casey doesn't uh, doesn't begrudge us too much, wanting to to get this uh, as much coverage as as we possibly can. So. We'll transition from that, uh, you know, into talking a little bit about the uh, the postseason here, the the CIAC tournament, weather permitting. Uh, and I know you actually just came from a postponed event, but uh, the the postseason tournaments have, have gotten underway, and hopefully we'll be rolling along here in the next couple of days. Uh, I know your your coverage area there, mostly the FCAC, um, and uh, twelve baseball teams and twelve softball teams each getting in uh, to the to the CIAC field. From the uh, from the FCAC, let's start a little bit with softball, which I know is what you've covered uh, primarily this season. Looking at uh, things, you've got a couple highly ranked uh, softball teams, such as uh, St. Joseph and and New Canaan. What are some of the teams that uh, you think sort of from the FCAC are going to best uh, you know represent the conference in the in the tournament? And what do you see from that group uh, heading into the tournaments this year, Dave? Uh, well, the team I would certainly keep an eye on is St. Joseph. Uh, in my opinion, they had the best team in the FCAC, uh, the best balance of pitching, hitting, and defense. Uh, they have two excellent pitchers in Tori Sabalos and uh, a freshman, Nicole Williams, who could start each of them for almost any team in the state. Uh, they have a fantastic catcher named Jen Vasquez, who's going to be playing at Manhattan next year, a D1 player. And... You know, New Canaan won the FCAC title and was sort of the dream team that got hot and just played really, really well and uh, was a very deserving champion. But I think St. Joe's now uh, really this just ups the ante that much more. The seniors on the team won a state championship as freshmen, and uh, I know they are very disappointed because they've never won an FCAC title, and uh, I know they have every intention of going out there and ending their careers with uh, state championships. So their one team I would keep an eye on. Uh, certainly New Canaan is, is the storybook uh, ride going to continue or not. Sometimes teams that win league championships uh, have a hard time. Once they get to state tournaments, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Uh, Darianne has one of the best pitchers in the state, and Erica Asherau. Uh, will the team be able to, to ride her the way they have? Uh, Stanford and West Hill both have very good hitting teams, and uh, they've been outscoring the competition most of the year. So those are two other pretty interesting teams that uh, probably bear watching. Yeah, and absolutely. We'll certainly keep an eye on those. St. Joseph, uh, the, the team that Day is most looking at, they got the uh, the fifth seed in the 2017 Class M field, so we'll keep an eye on, on what they might be doing. Uh, you talked about uh, team getting hot in, in baseball. That team was uh, was Danbury that was able to, to run its way sort of from a lower seed to the FCAC title, but what are some of the, are they the team that maybe you're keeping an eye on, or are there some some teams that maybe were a little stronger in the regular season on the baseball side that, that you've got your eyes on for the tournament play. I'll tell you what, if I, I have no idea which team in the FCX has, has the best chance <laughs> of doing well in States only because I don't remember there. There's always great parity and lower seeds for whatever reason have won the FCX championship as often as higher seeds over the last decade or so, or, or even 15 years uh, at the FCX playoffs. You had uh, two lower seeds. You had the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh seeds all won. 
and the eighth seed went into the seventh inning against number one Greenwich tied. So you almost had all four lower seeds that won. So I think they're all all teams are really even. Uh, obviously, in a state tournament, pitching depth is is very very helpful and, and important. Uh, Greenwich has a great team. I think they're going. To, I, I would look for them to bounce out, bounce back. Excuse me. Uh, New Canaan. I think New Canaan has a very very good team. Uh, had a little little slight bump in the road at the end of the season, but they just have a lot of talent. I wouldn't be surprised. They made a surprising run to the state final last year before losing. I don't think it would be uh, that big a surprise if they got to the state final again and won a championship. Certainly Danbury, the other team that got really, really hot until they got knocked out uh, in the FCAC playoffs is Fairfield Ludlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really, really came on strong. I think it was 11 wins in a row they had before they got knocked off. So that's another team that I would keep an eye on. But <laughs> – it, it's so much parity. I mean, any any one of if you told me any one of the eight schools that got into the FCAC tournament made it to the state finals, I wouldn't be surprised a bit. Yeah, so I know the competition upstate is also quite good. Certainly, yeah, and that's you know it, it seems as maybe as much as any other sport. And we actually did a post on this on on CIACsports.com last week that folks could check out. But baseball uh, seems to have maybe the most parity even once you get into the the CIAC tournament. You know, it just takes that one game where a pitcher doesn't have his stuff or whatever it might be to uh, to sort of create an upset there. Um, just to, to to go full circle, what about uh, what about our, our, our friend uh, Chris Mack and the Trumbull team? Where What do you see for them, perhaps, as they go into the tournament? Uh, they're another team also that, uh, you know, I put them in, in, in that same grouping. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. They've got good pitching. Uh, they, they're a team without any weaknesses, and they made a good run to get to the FCX final before losing to Danbury in, in a great pitcher's duel. Uh, if you told me Trumbull made it to the final, I wouldn't be surprised as well. As well, they're really, I mean, there's just really, literally, not a lot separating one, the teams that were seated one through eight in the FCAC tournament. Yeah, so certainly a lot to keep an eye on, and we uh, appreciate Dave Rudin uh, keeping an eye on it for us, and, and certainly uh, being willing to share the uh, the great story that you uh, you did about the uh, the baseball situation there in Trumbull. It's certainly a, a remarkable a remarkable. Um, you know, gesture by a pretty remarkable kid. So, Dave, thanks for joining us and uh, continue to to pass along those great stories. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Joe. I appreciate you having me on. All right. We'll talk to you down the road. Really enjoyed that conversation with Dave Rudin and uh, just can't get enough of that story about our uh, our Trumbull baseball player. Certainly a, a pretty remarkable act for a, a high school student. So appreciate Dave taking the time to chat with us and for providing the baseball and softball insight as well. We will now shift gears to a few different sports here as we reach out to cover some boys and girls lacrosse and no better person to begin that discussion than with Dan Nowak of the New Haven Register. Dan Nowak of the New Haven Register covers boys and girls lacrosse among many other things for the Register and he was kind enough to join us now to talk a little bit about the boys and girls lacrosse tournaments that have gotten underway. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, uh, Joel, for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We certainly uh, love all of your work, and I'll start things off by mentioning that if you go to the New Haven, New Haven Register uh, .com sports section, Dan has several uh, articles posted that's going to cover some of the stuff that we're going to talk about here, but really went in-depth 
on some of the tournaments. But we'll uh, we'll start off our conversation here. Maybe start with girls lacrosse. So Dan, with the uh, the girls lacrosse tournaments have have gotten underway uh, in the last few days. What are you some of the teams that you think fans should be keeping an, keeping an eye on uh, as the tournaments start to progress towards the championships next weekend? Well, I think one of the most interesting uh, classes in uh, the girls' tournament is L because you got Darianne moving up from M to L this year. And as uh, as you know, uh, Darianne's always uh, had a long tradition, uh, winning tradition there, and they are a very tough and deep and loaded team. But uh, I think a surprise in the L actually could be uh, Cheshire. They were uh, in the uh, final last year and, and mm-hmm. lost uh, to Greenwich 9-8, and uh, they're kind of – Chomping at the bit to kind of get back there, so I, I think uh, L is going to be a little interesting. Now, when you get to M, um, uh, I think you got another surprise there. Uh, Wilton uh, is a number six seed, but uh, uh, I think uh, you know because they play in a tough FCAC uh, league, uh, they they've, they've got a strong schedule to to lay down the strong foundation. They have some top scores uh, on that team, taking the Helms and Sarah Dickinson. And I think they can make some noise. Uh, I think the uh, the favorite there is New Canaan uh, with their depth, but uh, you can't count Wilton out either. Yeah. Uh, in class in class S, uh, I think uh, HK. If, if there's ever a team that was due in either the boys or the girls tournament, it's got to be Haddam Killingworth when it comes to winning a state title. They've been in the semifinals the last three years and just can't seem to get uh, past that wall <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> But I, I think they they have uh, such a strong team this year. I think uh, they're going to get to that final, and I think they're uh, going to make the most of their chances, uh, uh, along with maybe uh, Granby and Lewis Mills in that uh, S as well. Yeah, certainly some um, some top competition, as you said, with uh, teams that have a lot of tournament experience. Um, you talked a, a few, um, you know, about a few players in there that maybe, uh, you know, for, for those teams that are standouts. Are there any other sort of standout players, either for those teams that you mentioned or maybe on some other teams that uh, our fans should keep an eye on during the tournament competition? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned Cheshire earlier, and, uh, uh, you know, last year they had All-American uh, Maria Blois, and this year uh, they've got another, uh, they've got a lot of strong players on that team, but the one standout is Kathleen Calbian. At midfield, uh, she excels on both ends of the field, and she's also developed into a face-off specialist, uh, so she's also involved in the special teams. She's got, like, uh, you know, 46 goals and 20 assists uh, uh, so far this season. Uh, she actually scored six goals in, uh, in, in the SEC championship game against Hand uh, to lead uh, Cheshire to that title, too. So I think Kathleen Calbian is definitely uh, a girl to keep an eye on. Uh, now in the so- southern part of the state, uh, you got Olivia Hump uh, at uh, New Canaan. You got Kaylee Waters at Darien, who's a goalie, and you got uh, a midfielder Carol- Carolyn Paletta at Greenwich. Uh, uh, Olivia Hump is an uh, incredible scorer. Uh, she she's you know routinely you know a multiple scorer in every game. Uh, she's already uh, made a commitment to go to Princeton and. Uh, uh, Last year in the final, uh, in New Canaan 17-9 win over Wilton last year in the M final, uh, she had nine goals in their 17 that they scored. So she's a real prolific scorer. Wow. Kaylee Waters, you know, you talk about Darianne, they are strong front to back. Uh, there are a lot of players to talk about, but Waters has developed into one of the top goalies in the entire state. Uh, she routinely makes, routinely makes uh, spectacular saves. 
and one of her uh, fortes actually is uh, being able to clear the ball away, and she does it very quickly, and she's actually going to North Carolina. Carolyn Paletta at Greenwich, uh, uh, she's another uh, top scorer uh, for uh, for the Cardinals, and uh, but she's also a prolific uh, uh, assist person, too. She's a, she's a big-time playmaker. And uh, actually, last year in Class L, she actually had a game-winning goal against Cheshire uh, in the 9-8 win uh, that gave Greenwich the, the title last year. Sure. And she was also going to North Carolina. So these <laughs> girls, I mean, they, they you know, they're going to some pretty, uh, you know, top Division One colleges. So they're, uh, they're really going to be standouts in, uh, in this girls' tournament. Yeah, some some top level talent certainly to keep an eye on here. Um, you mentioned some um, you know some surprises that maybe you've got you know you're keeping uh, your your eyes on and, and seeing if they come to fruition. Just sort of your sense. Do you feel like this is going to be a tournament or tournaments uh, on the girls' side that are going to you know generally hold to form in terms of the seeds, or do you think it's going to be you know maybe some some surprise teams or maybe something in the middle? How do you start to see those shaking out in terms of? you know, uh, upsets or the favorites progressing? Well, I think the one the one class that might be, uh, you know, all chalk is uh, class S. I think uh, the top seeds there are just too tough, too tough to beat. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned uh, HK, I mentioned Granby and, West, and Lewis Mills, but I left out Weston. Uh, these are top teams in, in, in S, and, uh, you know, they're going to be hard-pressed to, uh, they're going to be very tough outs uh, yeah. along the way. And, like I said, I'm, you know, Haddon Killingworth is the top seed. I see them, you know, winning the whole thing there. Now, as far as L and N, uh, you know, I, uh, I did, you know, in L, you got number six, Danbury. You got, uh, uh, and you got, you know, Ch- you know, some people aren't giving Cheshire uh, the, the the love that uh, Darianne and actually Glastonbury uh, is, are, are getting uh, in that division. Mm-hmm. Cheshire would be a, a kind of an upset, I think, this year uh, if they go to uh, the championship game. Uh, mild upset, but uh, you know, I think people are looking at Glastonbury and, and Danbury as, and, and Darien rather as the uh, top teams in, in L. Now in M, you got a couple other teams uh, that could really, uh, you know, come through. Uh, I, you know, I already mentioned the n- number six Wilton, but number five uh, Avon is another team. Uh, that could, uh, you know, make uh, make some noise too. And everybody's talking about New Canaan, and uh, yeah, you know, some are, some people even are kind of high on East Line. But you know, those two teams uh, uh, have had great seasons, and uh, you know, they they played some tough teams during a regular season. And you know, these coaches uh, nowadays are, I mean, they they've you know, they're in tune with the fact that you know, strength of schedule means a lot, especially in the postseason. Sure, absolutely. You don't want to uh, don't want to have those teams uh, not very well tested once you get into the the tournament and are going to have to face some some stiff competition. So we really look forward to to seeing how the girls tournament shakes out. Let's move along to the uh, to the boys and sort of the same questions here. We'll start with the the first one. What are you you know What are some of the teams you're keeping your eyes on for the boys tournaments that are uh, already underway? Well, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, I just mentioned the strength of schedule, and when, when it comes to strength of schedule, um, my my biggest tout heading into this uh, tournament for the boys was number 17 Wilton beating uh, number one Avon uh, in Class M, and it actually happened today. Wilton <laughs> won uh, 15 to nine, so they um, the Warriors made me look good today. <laughs> but uh, they they come into the came into the tournament. Uh, I believe they had a 500 record. I think they were like uh, eight and eight in a regular season. 
Uh, but the thing is, they play in a very tough, you know, FCAC uh, yeah. league. And, uh, you know, a, a loss isn't necessarily a bad thing when you're going up uh, against, a, you know, a Greenwich or a Ridgefield or a New Canaan uh, in, in, in that league. And uh, it showed uh, in the game today, uh, you know, number 17 seed beating a number one seed. I mean, Wilton is just, uh, they, they've got players. And, uh, you know, they uh, they came through today, and I think they can make some noise uh, uh, in that M tournament. Yeah. Uh, now, as far as uh, uh, Class S, my uh, I have another uh, long shot here that uh, I think is is in the same boat as Wilton and M, and that's St. Joseph's. Uh, they're they're a number thirteen seed in the uh, S tournament, but I think they're going to win the whole thing because and and that uh, class against the competition that they're going to be facing. I, I mean, I don't think any of the other teams face the type of regular season you know, day-in, day-out uh, battle that they've had to go through, uh, through through the entire season just to get here. Yeah. Uh, mo- most people said that, you know, if St. Joe's actually qualifying for the States, they, they were going to do well because uh, it was a question whether or not they would be able to, uh, you know, beat the, the you know any of those top teams down there because they're playing the Ridgefields and the, and the Greenwiches and the, you know, Darianns and the New Canaans and the Wiltons down there. And, you know, they they, they did what they had to, to to qualify for the postseason. And, uh, you know, uh, I think they've got uh, quality talent. They've got a good goalie in Mike Braddock, uh, top scorer in Colin Powell. And when you got a guy by the name of Colin Powell on the team, I mean, uh, you, you've <laughs> got to be looking good, right? I Certainly. Mean, uh, they, they've got a history of winning <laughs> battles then. We'll, we'll see yeah. what we that. Right, right. Uh, now, you know, and, and we talked about Wilton. Wilton, I think in uh, – L, uh, everybody's anticipating the uh, Fairfield Prep Ridgefield uh, Championship rematch from last year uh, uh, coming uh, through again this year, although they're in the same bracket, so that would happen a uh, game earlier in the semis. Yep. But I think uh, people are kind of overlooking this, not overlooking, but, uh, you know, they're talking Prep and Ridgefield, but I think you, you can't count out uh, Greenwich. Uh, Greenwich has been one of the hot teams. Uh, all season, and uh, they're in the lower bracket, and I don't think anybody's going to come close to, uh, to to beating Greenwich, and I think they're going to be uh, in the final, uh, awaiting prep in uh, Ridgefield uh, for that for that championship game. Uh, Greenwich, uh, you know, has a lot of uh, great players on that team too, and uh, you know, one of their top players, actually, uh, one of the top players that I touted today in uh, uh, my uh, lacrosse package was Grand Savio, who's a Who's a midfielder, but he's one of the top face-off uh, uh, specialists in the state. And possession uh, at this level means a lot. And sure. when you're winning uh, 12 out of 14 face-offs or 14 out of 16 face-offs, and, you, and you get, you've got the ball all the time. I mean, good things are going to happen. And uh, this guy is going to put a, put on a clinic every time he's out there. And if you're ever, if you ever, you know, if anybody out there is watching Greenwich play, keep an eye on this kid because. He'll amaze you with the, with the way he's, he's just so quick and so aggressive and, and, and so focused when he's in that X in the middle of the, the field to, to, to get that face off. Uh, it's, it's something to see. Uh, you know, outside of that, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, like I said, you got, you got Wilton and St. Joe's, and I think those are your two biggest, uh, uh, those could be your two biggest surprises right there, uh, depending on how far they go. Yeah, certainly um, lots of good things there and, and, you know, lots of 
competitiveness, as you mentioned, with those teams, uh, particularly in the FCAC, that uh, kind of beat up on each other all year, and then you see right. who's who's uh, in the best form when it comes to the end of the year. Um, but you know, the, you guys, you you uh, you people at the CIAC, what you guys do is you you make it really interesting in the postseason because what happens is by having these three classes, you're separating these teams. So they're not beating up on each other. I mean, they they you know they're put in a position where they're facing teams that they haven't even faced all year. So I mean, it is a challenge. Even though these teams might be strong and come from a strong conference, it's still every one of these every one of these classes. Uh, you know, these games are are always exciting because uh, you know these teams come to play. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of that, you know, you've mentioned those are sort of the the favorites. Any teams, any other teams sort of outside the, you know, maybe that teams aren't or that folks aren't focused on that maybe could surprise uh, from, you know, sort of outside the the teams that have been the the strongest clubs all season? The Class S probably, you know, has, you know, outside of St. Joe's, I mean, the teams that are probably going to – Dominate in, in that uh, in, in that class are probably teams outside of the uh, FCAC. And uh, actually, uh, uh, one one of the, surpri- the surprising things this year has been the resurgence of uh, the Shoreline Conference this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Teams down there like like Morgan and Old Saybrook, and uh, you know on the girls and and boys levels. I mean they've really uh, into they've developed into strong teams. And uh, Morgan, I'm, 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 I think could do some some. Uh, some interesting things in, in S, and I see, get, I see them getting at least to the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, some players, maybe that you haven't uh, haven't mentioned yet that uh, our fans should be watching and uh, enjoying watching over the next few weeks? Well, I think the top player, one of the top players in the state, in the state if not the top player, is Kevin Brown at Fairfield. Uh, this this kid uh, just. Uh, is unbelievable when it comes to scoring. He is a scoring phenom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that once he gets the ball, he he just goes and 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 pretty much scores at will. Uh, you see that number forty-one running down the field. Uh, you know something <laughs> something uh, offensive is going to happen, and uh, uh, it usually does for prep. And that's why I think prep. I mean, I, I'm picking prep to win it all this year. Uh, basically, uh, starting with him and going all the way uh, on out to the goalie uh, Connor Henry. Who's, who's also a, a you know one of the top goalies in the state, but uh, you know Kevin Brown's already won a, a championship for Fairfield Prep. He scored six goals in the 13-6 win over uh, Guilford in the uh, Southern Connecticut Conference championship game, and he was named tournament MVP in that game. So I mean, he's already got the prep uh, that prep team uh, going in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, another guy to uh, other guys to keep uh, keep an eye on if you're if you're looking uh, at a, another goalie to, uh, to Keon uh, Phil Hufford from Darien. He's actually committed to Yale already, and he's only a junior. Uh, and uh, he's you know just developed into a very quick, very aggressive uh, goalie. He's allowed only 13 goals in his last four games. Uh, which in lacrosse uh, is, is a pretty good stat, actually, yeah. uh, very impressive. Um, but uh, you know, you got him, and then uh, with New Canaan, New Canaan's uh, forte this year has been their defense, and, and their defense is led by uh, a defender Eric Persky, who's uh, actually committed to Pennsylvania, and uh, he's uh, you know pretty pretty tough back there. And when you know when anybody does get past him or any of those the defenders in New Canaan. There's uh, Trent Nader, uh, the goalie for New Canaan, 
uh, and uh, basically they've allowed, they've allowed that combination has allowed five goals or less a game in ten of their last twelve games that they've actually played this season. So wow. they're they're tough to score on, and uh, that's one of the reasons that they won the FCF tournament uh, uh, last week as well. Uh, another person, uh, uh, another person to keep an eye on is uh, is a midfielder from uh, from Ridgefield. Uh, Ridgefield's had a lot of success this year. Ridgefield was number one in our uh, registered top ten poll for most of the season until last week uh, when uh, they they lost in the semis to uh, uh, Greenwich and uh, Greenwich went on to uh, lose to New Canaan in the final. But uh, uh, Bonaparte, Will Bonaparte uh, is a guy who's just dominant on both sides of the field. He's kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to a girl, but he's kind of like the Kathleen Calbian of uh, of, of uh, you know the, bo- the boys uh, of boys lacrosse because he's yeah. dominant on both sides of the field. I mean, he's he's doing it on defense, he's doing it on offense. He's had 22 goals and nine assists, and he's also like Kathleen Calbian, uh, a face-off specialist and. Uh, you know, after Grand Savio, the, the the kid I just mentioned from uh, Greenwich, I mean Bonaparte is probably the, one of the next best face-off guys in the state. Uh, he's he's pretty tough. He's coming off an injury. He had a back injury, I guess, last week, which kept him out of the SAC uh, tournament. But uh, he he should be back, and uh, he's he's another guy to watch. Uh, all these guys that I just mentioned: Kevin Brown, Grand Savio, Will Bonaparte, Phil Hufford. Eric Persky, these these are all uh, special players who, when you watch these teams play, I mean, you you will notice them making play after play after play. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, to seeing that, and you know, talking to just hearing you talk, you know, sort of figuring out whether it's going to be you know the offenses that are going to get the job done, or whether you know maybe the teams that are more of a lockdown defenses are going to be the uh, the key to the championships. And hopefully, the weather will uh, start to cooperate with us a little bit, and we'll get uh, get these games going and and have a great uh, championship. Dan Nowak, we appreciate all of your knowledge and taking the time to uh, to share it with us today and encourage folks to check out that package at uh, newhavenregister.nhregister.com, uh, all of the, uh, the in-depth breakdown of the tournaments on the boys' and girls' side. Dan, thanks for the knowledge, and uh, we'll check, out, check in with you a little bit later, perhaps during the tournaments uh, down the road. All right. Should be, uh, should be an exciting tournament for everybody. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on. Dan Nowak knows his lacrosse, and we appreciate him taking the time to talk with us about it today. That was really in-depth, and encourage you to check out that in even more in-depth profile, uh, information on the New Haven Register website as well. So thank him for talking with us as well. Our next guest has a little bit of a different perspective as we try to make sure we keep a track of what's going on all, all over the state of Connecticut. So one area that maybe gets a little bit of uh, the, the short shrift on occasion is the Litchfield County area. So we got in touch with Timothy Gaffney, who runs the website litchfieldcountysports.com to get a little feel for what's going on up in his neck of the woods heading into the CIAC tournament time, particularly in the sports of baseball and softball. So we're chatting now with Timothy Gaffney. He is the owner and operator of LitchfieldCountySports.com. Tim, thanks very much for being with us today. We appreciate it. 
Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's an exciting time of year, as I'm sure it is for uh, for you folks, anyone who's covering high school sports. It's obviously uh, an exciting time of year. So wanted to reach out to you to, to get a little bit of a feel for what's going on in, in your neck of the woods, obviously. But start off for maybe people who aren't so familiar with your uh, your company there, LitchfieldCountySports.com. Why don't you tell the folks just a little bit about what you're trying to do there uh, with your new project? I oh, appreciate it. We, uh, you know, we've been in, around for about uh, three years. LitchfieldCountySports.com is a combination of some of the best freelance sports writers in Northwest Connecticut. We have about 75 years worth of local sports writers who write for our site. We are all uh, former and sometimes, in some cases, present freelance sports writers for local newspapers. Rick Wilson and I still do uh, work for the Waterbury Republican. Um, a few years back, we have a radio program in, in Torrington, LitchfieldCountySports.com on WAPJ, every Monday night for an hour in which all we do is talk local sports. Um, we always said nobody wants to hear my opinion of the Yankees and the Mets because there's plenty <laughs> of those out there. Um, we felt there was a great need to tell more of the backstories mm-hmm. of what's going on in local sports. We'll be at the big games. We were at Mohegan Sun for Thomaston. Um, and Capital Prep for the Class S Championship game. We'll be at some games this week, but we do more features behind the scenes. We had 10 stories building up to the Thomaston Capital Prep basketball game. We have so much experience with all of our writers in which we're kind of trying to give people what they can't find um, anywhere else. We edit our own work. We do our own video. We do our own pictures. Uh, you know, the site is something that I can work from on the road, and, uh, you know, it, it's very exciting because it allows us to do what we love to do, which is, you know, talk local sports. We love our newspapers. We've worked for them for a while. A lot of times it gets a little crowded, and there isn't a lot of work for freelancers. So from our radio program, we stood on the sidewalks of, of Water Street in Torrington one day and said, hey, guys, what are we going to do? We want to keep writing. Uh, so uh, we kind of put together LitchfieldCountySports.com from scratch. I mean, guys that didn't know not too much about websites at the time. They've gotten pretty uh, good at it over the years, and, and we continue to, you know, to strive. We're probably the fastest-growing media outlet in Northwest Connecticut based on the fact that we've done some television work. Our radio program has been on ESPN, actually live from uh, Wide World of Sports in Florida. So uh, from a standpoint of how many years we've been doing local sports, we're kind of uh, we're looking to do what we want to do, which is dominate. Great. Well, uh, certainly encourage folks to uh, to check that out. And, you know, the feature sort of thing is, is a lot of what we're trying to do on CICsports.com as well. So we certainly uh, love telling those stories and seeing the, you know, a little more than just the game stories uh, from, from companies that are doing that kind of thing. So we'll dive right in here with, uh, you want to be able to uh, have you provide some, some color on some of the teams or stories that might be interesting to folks from your area. Obviously, one of the biggest ones I know this time of year has been the success of the, uh, the Torrington softball team this season, one of just two teams to uh, make it through the regular season undefeated in CIC softball this year. Tell us a little bit about the softball team and, and what you're seeing from covering them and kind of how they're feeling heading into the, uh, the CIAC tournament. Sure, it's a you know it's a great run by the Torrington Red Raiders and head coach uh, Marianne Musselman. Um, they've got one of those pitchers. They've got Sydney Masco, uh, junior, left-handed, flamethrower, mid 60s is what she's coming to the place. She's got six pitches. Good luck with that. I'm not sure any <laughs> of us could really hit one of them, but she says she's got six. I'm going to believe her because I've seen things do strange things from behind the plate. Uh, you know, we, she's been one of the starters since her freshman year. 
with Connetina grow. Last year, Torrington lost an NBL championship, one nothing to Seymour. Seymour has always been a perennial powerhouse in uh, softball in this area, um, and they lost one nothing last year. Really didn't have the bats to go along with Masco's dominance. Well, this year, Torrington has averaged almost 10 runs per game. Um, yeah, you're not going to get that in state tournament action. Sure. But um, they actually got over the hump and beat Seymour in the state in the uh, NBL championship game last week by a three to one score. And Sydney Masco is one of those kids. She's a 24/7, 365 softball player. That's all she does. She is already committed to the University of North Carolina. She did that as a sophomore. Wow. Uh, so a smart kid, and also a kid that knows what she wants to do. She's going to be part of a pretty big. Uh, softball program down there. And the best thing about Sydney Masco is you get her second and third and one man out, she's got you right where she wants you. So she's got that third year that kind of kicks in from having played so much competitive softball in her entire life, for her entire life that, uh, you know, she really knows how to take it to the next level. Now, in Class L, you got Massick, you got defending state champion Rockfield. You've got some serious teams in Class L. Absolutely. Who kind of have a Sydney Masco. Mm-hmm. So the challenge for Torrington um, they were supposed to play today, but because of a, a rainout, uh, Bunnell and Sacred Heart Academy will have to play this afternoon at 4 o'clock. And then tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock, uh, Torrington will host the winner of, of those two games. And, you know, as we've seen in the state tournament forever, Joel, throw out the records at this time of the year. Absolutely. You know, you have to, you know, every single day somebody can knock off somebody. Look at Northwestern boys yesterday, almost getting beat by, uh, you know, I think it was the number 32 seed. So uh, this, you know, She's only a junior, Masco is, so unfortunately for the rest of the state, they still get to see her for another year. Torrington only loses one player, so they have a very good chance next year of uh, kind of remaining uh, strong. So it's a, you know, it's an exciting run. Torrington got over that hump, get the NBL championship. Now it's a question of a deep run into the states. Hey, four wins still a Class L state championship. Sounds easy when we sit here and talk about it now. <laughs> But uh, exactly, you know, I got a four. Go on a four game. Yeah, no, history, four. You know? Four's no problem. You won eighteen in a row. What? What? What's four exactly. more? Exactly. Just keep. Just keep on going. So it will be, be a twenty-seven and zero season if uh, you know if they can do it. Torrington's defense, at the beginning of the year, was a little bit porous. It has kind of shored up here um, over the rest of the season, and yeah, you know, they can put the bat on the ball, and that's critical because you know you're going to have a pitcher who's probably high 50s, low 60 miles per hour in the opponent that you're going to face, maybe even in this round coming up here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is when it, uh, this one becomes fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll certainly uh, be keeping our eyes on that and uh, as the tournaments progress. Uh, you know, I know you've got a lot of other uh, interesting programs and, and some good stories uh, that you've been working on this spring. What are some of the other sort of things that you've got your eye on, either going into the tournament or, or things that you've covered this spring that you think uh, folks uh, from the rest of the state might be interested in, in checking out? Sure. In the, uh, you know, in the Berkshire League, it's been a strong league for a uh, strong year for the Berkshire League. Terryville and Thomaston are uh, number two and number three in S. Uh, Terryville's got a fantastic pitcher in, in Jamie Bridge. Uh, recently, in a uh, struck out 28 in a 13 inning game over uh, over Thomaston, who is actually number three. Uh, Terryville's got a 16 and three record. They go up against uh, number 18 St. Bernard, who is 11 and 10. Uh, Thomaston has a home game today at two o'clock against Westbrook. Thomaston, it's an interesting story because a lot of the kids that were on the team that, you know, lost to Capital Prep in the finals are sprinkled between um, track and also in, in uh, softball. Abby sure. Herbert and 
Morgan Sansung, two of the outstanding members of that team, are the pitchers for uh, Thomaston. And they're kind of a surprise. We really didn't think uh, either the Thomaston girls or boys would have as good a season as they did. But, uh, you know, both of them have had, you know, pretty terrific seasons. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll see how, how, how they work out. It was a fantastic, you know, back to your guys' job that you do with the CIAC. You guys have done a great job of, of covering this. We, you guys were nice enough to put Rick Wilson and I on at halftime of the CIAC game between, um, between Thomaston and Capital Prep. That was actually on CPTV, but we were seen by a whole bunch of, of folks in the area. So we're, uh, part of the other way in which we're looking to kind of branch ourselves out some. Yeah. And certainly uh, a lot of good stuff going on and uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting teams to keep an eye on as CIAC play uh, continues. Timothy, we, uh, we greatly appreciate it and we appreciate all the fine work that uh, you folks are doing. I know it's, uh, it's always uh, tricky kind of doing that freelance stuff and, and trying to find those stories, but we appreciate uh, all the work you guys are doing and encourage folks to, uh, to check out some of the interesting stuff they might find on LitchfieldCountySports.com. I appreciate your time. Enjoyed that conversation as well with Tim Gaffney. Certainly a lot of interesting stuff happening up in Litchfield County and nice that they're able to keep track of it all for us and get us up to date on where things stand as teams head into the CIAC tournament. That is going to do it for this edition of the CIAC cast. As I said, a busy edition this week with lots happening with CIAC tournament action. We thank Dave Rudin. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Rudin, as well as find his work at StamfordAdvocate.com. Dan Nowak, for uh, his Twitter handle is at NHRDanNowak. You can check him out there or at NHRegister.com. And then, of course, Tim Gaffney at LitchfieldCountySports.com. We thank all of them for their help and insight this week. We will hopefully be back again next week. We'll be busy with CIAC tournament time, not positive we'll get a a podcast in next week but we'll certainly do our best and be sure to check us out on twitter at ciac sports on twitter to keep track of all the happenings as well as find out when the next podcast may very well come out so that is going to do it for this edition of the ciac cast we thank you as always for joining us enjoy all the ciac tournament action we hope to have you back real soon